After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test Philip, because Jesus himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, Six months' wages wouldn't buy enough bread for each of them to get even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to Jesus, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. And then Jesus took the loaves, and when he'd given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who'd eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is coming into the world. When Jesus realized they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing, and when they'd rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But Jesus said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. I have Haiti on the brain in Haiti in my prayers these days because of all the unrest and uncertainty there. Some of you might remember or recognize this landscape. All that unrest and all that uncertainty is from, if you haven't heard, the assassination of the country's president a few weeks ago. Many of you have asked me what I know, which isn't much, other than that things are as unsettled and as uncertain as ever, but on edge maybe even in a little more heightened kind of way because of all of that. Our friends in Fanwa are safe and stable at the moment, though the unrest and that instability in the cities like Leogon and Port-au-Prince, where our project managers for Zami Fanwa get our supplies for the houses that we build, um, all of that instability and unrest is likely going to make the work of building our houses a little slow going for a while, but we will see. In this reading about Jesus' miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 makes me think about Haiti too because poverty and hunger are such a thing for our friends there. Poverty and hunger, the likes of which most of us can't imagine, we don't understand, haven't had to struggle with in the same long-standing systemic kind of way. I got angrier than I should have Thursday afternoon when I had to wait in line for 15 minutes at Qdoba when 
only to find out that they didn't have fajita veggies for my burrito. Then I sat down to work on this sermon and read the gospel and was reminded about how the universe and the Holy Spirit have a funny sense of humor and a great way of reminding me about my first world problems. Anyway, all of that to say, when I picture Jesus on that mountain in Galilee, in my mind's eye, he might as well be on a hillside in Fondois surrounded by hungry people. But I'll come back to Haiti in a minute. This story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 might be his most popular moment, his greatest hit, perhaps. Um, it's such a popular miracle that it appears in all four of the Gospels. And Matthew and Mark also tell similar stories about another event altogether where he fed 4,000 people in a similarly surprising way. So, hungry people and food and making more of it were a big deal for Jesus and for people who wanted us to know about Jesus and God's love and God's grace and God's abundance in the world. But I wondered this week if we like to marvel at the miracle of what Jesus does in today's gospel story precisely because it takes us out of the equation and gives God and that miracle all of the credit. I can't create something from nothing. Whew. You can't turn crumbs into a banquet. None of us can give away what isn't there to give in the first place. In other words, I wonder if we marvel at the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 because then we can pretend all those people, the likes of you and me, the average Joes and the average Janes, I mean, that they had nothing to do with it. When really, all of that feeding and all of that feasting might possibly have stopped before it ever got started had those first followers kept eating. The ones sitting down, I mean. Had they refused to be satisfied? Or had they packed up and headed for home without care or concern for all those who still hadn't had anything to eat yet? Because notice what happens. Jesus does not ration the bread or those fish when he doles it out to those first in line. He simply gives thanks and delivers the goods. He gives them as much as they wanted. We're told that they finished eating when they were satisfied. After they ate their fill, when they decided that they'd had enough, then the disciples are told to gather up the leftovers, gather up the crumbs, gather up the scraps, and start to share all of that with the rest of the crowd. Now, maybe all of that is meant to point to the size and scope of Jesus' miracle, that even after they had their fill, even after they were satisfied and stuffed, there was still plenty to go around. But what if, what if today's miracle has as much to do with their willingness and their ability to share that abundance as it does with whatever stunt Jesus was pulling. Let me explain. I wonder this because, again, all of it makes me think about our friends in Haiti. 
And some of you might remember a story that Jamelyn Williamson, the CEO of Zami Fanwa, tells about her friend, Jazula, caring for a gaggle of kids, which Jazula always seems to be doing. She has a house full of her own, four to six, I think. They're always around. I can never keep track, to be honest. Along with whatever handful of neighbor kids and cousins happen to be around at any given moment. Well, Jamelin tells this beautiful story about Jezula cleverly, expertly, generously, lovingly slicing one single solitary hard-boiled egg into slices thin but substantial enough for a gathering of those hungry children to all get something to eat. There might as well have been 5,000 of them, is what I'm saying. And it was kind of a miracle. Jezula isn't Jesus. So she could, she would have been justified in the eyes and in the minds of most to have gathered her own children into her own house and to share her own single solitary egg with just her kids. Just those fewer mouths to feed instead of sharing that egg with the whole neighborhood, for instance. But that doesn't feel like a miracle, does it? Now, I'm not saying Jesus didn't do something magical, something mysterious, something miraculous with that bread and those fish that day. I'm saying it seems to me that those hungry people, the first ones who got to sit down in the grass and receive the goods, don't seem to have filled their pockets. They don't seem to have stuffed their satchels, which they could have done had they wanted to be satisfied in that way. They didn't claim they deserved what was theirs because they got there first or were at the front of the line or earned their place at the table because they had pulled themselves up by their sandal straps. And Jesus doesn't ask or require any of that of them either of course. So I'm inclined to believe that like Jezula, something about their experience with Jesus made them aware of and mindful about and filled with compassion for all those people who hadn't had anything to eat yet. I'm inclined to believe that because it's something else I've seen for myself in beautiful ways over and over again whenever I'm in Haiti. Yes, when we share toys or food or especially candy with the kids at the orphanage there, they act exactly like the kids behave when I pass out popsicles at Wild Wacky Wonderful Wednesday here at Cross of Grace, which is to say they behave like animals. <laughs> Pressing in on whoever has stuff. Begging, pushing, shoving pleading, elbowing each other in and out of the way so they can get theirs. Kids are kids are kids are kids everywhere. But the children in Haiti share beautifully too. And they are the poorest children you've ever seen. The older ones in that orphanage always make sure the younger ones get some of the goods. And even when we show up with gifts and goodies for particular children from their sponsors here in the States with their name on the stuff, 
I see these children without fail share some of whatever has their name on it with a sibling or a friend or a classmate or a neighbor. That is a miracle of love and generosity and grace that blows me away every single time. That's the opportunity, and that is our challenge in this morning's gospel, if you ask me. Let's stop minimizing Jesus' miracle until it becomes nothing more than a magic trick or some sleight of hand that only God can accomplish. Let's acknowledge and let's be challenged by and let's move in the direction of something much more faithful in all of this. Let's see that Jesus is showing his disciples and showing everyone on that hillside that day and by extension showing every one of us too that we all have a hand in making this kind of miracle run its course. Because what if the miracle isn't in the multiplying at all? What if the miracle isn't just in God's knack for turning scraps into a smorgasbord or stretching the leftovers or in creating something out of nothing even? What if the miracle of what happened on the hillside lies in the hands of the people who recognized that abundance in the first place and then took it upon themselves to share it? It's a miracle because that's not the way of the world. It's a miracle because that is not our inclination enough of the time. It's a miracle because that's not capitalism, it's the kingdom of God. And it's a miracle whenever we can make or see or experience that kind of thing in our midst. And it's our calling, too, as followers of Jesus and as people on the planet to acknowledge the abundance that we enjoy, to recognize that it all comes from God's grace, to prayerfully, faithfully, humbly, gratefully discern when we are satisfied, when we have eaten our fill, decide what enough really is and when we've had it, enough food, enough money, enough resources, enough whatever. And then to share the abundance that will be left, the abundance that already is, if we're honest, with our neighbor and with the wider world that is out there watching us eat our proverbial fill at the front of the line. Wouldn't that be a miracle? Amen. Amen.